This episode is dedicated to Frederick Firestein. Hello, podcast people. You just made my day. Folks, welcome to May My Day, the podcast that celebrates the little tiny wonderful things in life. This is episode 15, brought to you the week of May 27th, 2014, and I'm your host. My name is James Kennison. In a bit, I'm going to be reading something um, and sharing something with you that's pretty somber and pretty serious. So if you're someone who is struggling with depression and horrible feelings, maybe even suicidal feelings, stay tuned. And, uh, you know, we, we don't have anything that's going to fix you. <laughs> Um, but we have things that will help you get fixed. How about that? Let me just get started. Um, the old way I used to do this is I would go through every single day of the week and just tell you the things that made my day because I was trying to find the little tiny wonderful things that made every day worthwhile. Well, I I think it's kind of boring. So instead, I've just bullet listed out everything throughout the week and uh, it doesn't matter what the chronological order is. You know what I'm saying? So let me just tell you about them. Um, sitting <clears throat> the other day, uh, or actually almost every every day, uh, at least one day during a week, I mean, there is an opportunity where my son goes to a ball game. My wife and daughter leave the ball game early to go take her to practice. And then me and Jay get to go home and be and have some dude time, and so he's always you know really excited about it, and it's 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 really neat, it's really thrilling, and it makes my day because I didn't have that. Obviously, didn't have a father, didn't have a father when I did have a stepdad. You know, he never did anything like that, and um, and it was just really neat. We sit with sometimes we watch part of a movie. You know, we've been working our way through Mary Poppins, and I have decided, by the way, that Mary Poppins is um, one of the top five movies ever, best in the world ever made for me, anyway. So, so anyway, Mary Poppins, or we're putting together, you know, Legos because he got the he got the Legos from um, the the Lego movie. And uh, they can turn into two different things, and we hadn't done that yet, so he's pulling those out. And I was kind of proud of him because he had them in the tubs that my wife had got for him, so all the pieces were there. And uh, that's a pretty big deal for my son and uh, being any, and for any six-year-old, pretty big deal to have all the Legos together after a few weeks. So that made my day. Um the other day, too, I was, I was picking him up from school, and uh, we had to have a conversation because my wife found out that Jay, for the better part of the year, has been picked on by two kids. You know, you feel like a horrible parent, but what are you supposed to do when there's no sign of it? He never told the teacher. He never told us. He just dealt with it. You know, he just handled it. And though I am proud of that, there's also an element of, um, you know, the, I don't know, a kid can get to where they believe they deserve that kind of treatment. You know, I was picked on quite a bit as a kid, and it was straight up because I was afraid of, well, first of all, I couldn't fathom that anybody would want to do something that mean to someone else. I was very empathetic. I always, I always felt other people's feelings almost stronger than my own, even if they were just perceived. 
but that even melted into the bully situation because I would never want to do to them what they had done to me. And so the heart, more they hurt me or teased me or, or literally hurt me, uh, the less I wanted to do anything back. And I would just sometimes just kind of melt down, you know, because I couldn't believe how, how mean, you know. The other thing, too, is without being, having a dad, I didn't realize the way guys um, related to each other. And sometimes they do that by punching and calling each other names, and it's all in good fun if you know how to do it back. And I didn't. I took it all personally. So this was a hot-button issue for me when I found out that Jay had been uh, picked on. The only, the only clue we would have even had throughout the year is there was suddenly a day Jay did not want his hair spiked up in the front. You know, it's a cute little hairdo you've seen on a million little white boys uh, the back is real trim and, and, and faded down to the neck, and then the top is a tiny bit longer, but the front, you know, is spiked up, just a little bit of gel. And that was his that was his look. And suddenly he hated it and despised it and would push it down. And um, we just thought it was personal preference. I was almost a little proud of him, you know, for caring, even though we thought it was weird. Long story short, I'm, I'm in the car, and I got a chance to talk with him and I talked to him about bullies. And I talked to him about um, telling, telling, because I heard, you know, his mom had said he didn't want to tell them because he didn't want to hurt their feelings. And I said, Jay, it's not about not hurting their feelings. That at this level, you're supposed to tell because you have to help them learn how to behave. Firstly, um, secondly, you have to show them that you will not put up with this kind of behavior. I said, Jay, when you say nothing. You're, let, you're telling them that it's okay, and I want this every day. I want you to continue making fun of my hair. I want you to continue to uh, you know, ostracize me and stuff like that, and that's fine. I said, yeah, so tell on them. Absolutely be a tattletale. Because you, know, you and I know, listener, that um, there's going to come a day where he can't tell, when he's going to have to stand up for himself. So I also talked to him you know, about, about being verbal. I said, so you give him a chance. Say, stop messing with me. I don't like this. It's not nice. You're being mean. Leave me alone. And if they do, everything's awesome. And if they don't, you go tell. And you gave him a chance. You gave him a shot. Because one day, I even told him, you're not going to be able to tell. You're going to have to handle it on your own. And it's good to go ahead and get some practice. So don't worry about hurting their feelings. When people are being bad and doing bad things, they need to have their feelings hurt. They need to have their feelings changed, at least. They need to feel bad about what they're doing rather than, you know, good. So, all of that to say this. I didn't have that voice when I was a kid. I was told uh, almost nothing about how to handle bullies or boys or situations. Um, The best thing I was ever told one time, my mom told me to punch the kid back in the stomach. And that worked great because all it did was escalate it to the next freaking level. Then I had to deal with punching and hitting for the rest of whatever. But I never learned how to just stand up for myself and how to get over the feelings, you know, that, that are good feelings. You know, it's good to be sensitive to others' feelings, but in context, you know, when, when it's proper and other times... You, you you know I don't know it's like raising your kids when they're if they're if you catch them up under the sink and they're having a blast eating Brillo pads 
you need to hurt their feelings in some way. Even if you don't believe in spanking, you put them in timeout, you yell, you know, you say, ah, no, don't do that. Um, you do more than just lock the cabinet. You don't just put it away and, and put them in front of the television because then they're like, oh, well, I'll, I'll just, part two will be later today. I will get back in there and I will finish that that wonderful Brillo pad. So, um, so anyway... I, that, I It made my day, in case you're wondering, in case I'm not being uh, as clear as I should be, made my day to, to be that for my son. Because it, I, it's almost like going back in time, even though it didn't change me, I know that, that that's like planting a flag in his life and, it, and his life is now going to take a different turn, you know, first grade, second grade, third grade based off that conversation yes we may have to have it again yes he may be in similar situations again but at least we've got a foundation to build on and it started when he was young and yes we missed it all year but he's tough he's tough in his wimpiness (laughs) he didn't come home whining and crying and crapping and and i don't want to go to school anymore i mean he the only thing was he just wanted his hair down but by god he needs to be able to wear his hair however he wants so Portal kid at Cracker Barrel. Oh, let me tell you about this. This was cool. We just were going to Cracker Barrel. We we just wanted to eat there, and I was wearing um, a Portal parody shirt I have. And uh, if you're not familiar with Portal, it is one of the best games ever made. It came in the orange box years back from um, from a, a, a group called Valve, and uh, it wasn't even the main game in the game package. It's just this little side game, and it just blew up, and it's amazing. It's a puzzle game. It's a first-person puzzle game with an amazing story, an amazing protagonist, and 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 everything. Uh, but the the parody was there's a symbol constantly of this of the of the character. Or, or imagine the guy on the bathroom sign, you know, just the head and the body. He's in a walking position, going between two portals, a blue portal and an orange portal, which is kind of the basis of the game. So in my t-shirt, though, he's he's got these two portals, and it looks like he's hula-hooping with them, okay, which kind of, is kind of mind-blowing if you understand the way portals work in the game. Um, so I'm wearing this as I'm walking in, and this, is, this kid, this crazy kid comes falling out. I mean, like a punky Brewster kid. He's got half his shirt off. I, I mean, he's not naked. He's just got clothes on weird he's his hair sticking out everywhere um you can just tell he ran ahead of his parents and and he's out there and he's about to go run into traffic he's just that kind of kid he's probably eight and just crazy dude kind of boy which is fine which is great um and keeping true to form he looks and stops and stares at my shirt and he screams portal and I'm like, yeah. He goes, I know that game. I know it. And all I could do was say, yeah, yeah. As I'm walking, I'm continuing to like, get my kids inside in case he bites one of us. I mean, he could be ra- rabid, you know. So I just say over my shoulder, I'm like, yeah, it's it's a great game, man. And there's this pause as he thinks it through. And the last thing I hear as the door closes is, it's a mind game. So, it's a great game. It's a mind game. So, yeah, he was uh, he was definitely in his own world there, and that made my day. I laughed out loud. 
because uh, this kid, man, he was crazy. And he was obviously played Portal. And I have a feeling with that young man, everything. I'm sorry, that was my radio voice. I have a feeling with, uh, with that that everything, everything is a mind game. Okay, so this was one of the best MMD moments of the week. I went to the doctor for a little checkup. I got up on the scale. And I decided, you know, because fat people, what we do is we try, and maybe skinny people do this too. I don't know if you do or not. But fat people, we want to take our wallets, our keys, our cell phones, everything possible. I mean, if they would let us, we'd strip all the way down to boxers and stand on the scale to try to take off as many pounds as possible. Well, today, by God, I was like, I don't care. I was in a good mood, and I'm fat, and I, my keys ain't going to make a difference. So I left my wallet in, my keys in, my phone in, everything. Stood up on that thing. I even told the lady. I'm like, I ain't taking my wallet out. There ain't enough ain't enough in there to weigh me down anyway. And she goes, oh, whoa, you've lost seven pounds. I'm like, whoa, 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 what? And sure enough, she writes it down. I've never had a nurse be excited about that, you know, because when you're young and you're gaining weight, it's, you know, typically it's normal because you're growing. So they don't make a big deal out of it. Thankfully, when you're gaining weight as an adult, the nurse lady, the doctor may, but the nurse lady there taking your you know, temperature and your, your blood pressure, she's not going to make a judgment call and be like, oh, you put on 75 pounds. That's terrible. That's terrible because she doesn't want to, you know, she's not paid enough to deal with your, with your wrath and your comebacks and you sitting on her. So uh, it was really neat to have somebody at the doctor's um, actually excited about my weight. Now, why is that a big deal, you say? You know, you lost seven pounds, big deal. Because I wasn't trying to. And and that's never happened before. Every time I've not tried, I always gain. And so um let me tell you what I did different. The only thing I've done different is I um I got a standing desk. I made it out, you know, I think I talked about it last show. I made it I cobbled it together out of uh, pieces of Ikea furniture. You can find the link to how I did that at jameskennison.com. Just search for por- portal. Search for Ikea desk or portal desk. You're not going to find anything, but that's fine. Um, so the standing desk, and I've been trying to walk, even though I've had shin splints pretty bad, even just walking. I've been doing that, and I've been drinking a lot of water. And uh, it's awesome. I haven't even got my bike yet. I'm getting a bike. I'm really excited about it coming in. It's being ordered, and I'm going to start bike riding because my shin splints are keeping me from you know walking as much as I'd want to. But I'm really into this, and it's because I think I mentioned it last show. I don't. I can't. I even told the nurse I am tired of trying to diet. I can't do it. My entire life, I've tried to control um, my eating, and and I don't. I really believe, hand on the Bible, I don't believe I overdo it because I only eat until I'm no longer hungry and I'm not woofing it down, you know, to where I'm overfilling myself. I don't I don't walk away from the restaurant or the or the table sick, you know. Uh <clears throat> I just I don't know. I don't know what to blame. I, I it's me. I have to blame myself, but I have found that I can't do it this one way. I did get down to go away at one time in my 20s. Um, I got down really, really, really low, back like I was in high school. 
And I gained it all back because I got tired of being hungry all the time. I got tired of being hungry. And that, that's crazy. That's the part that, that skinny people can't understand about us fat people is we're just like you. We just – we I don't know. It takes more to fill us up. I don't know why. I can't fathom it. I don't understand. Yes, there are people that eat for the wrong reasons. Yes, yes, yes. hundred times yes. But for some of us, it's just – it's not like a discipline. It's we just do what you do. It just works different. The outcome's different. So anyway, I am uh, I am done dieting, but I am I am excited about finally finding an exercise that I could do. I, I it made my day to figure out. Okay, I hate aerobics. I hate karate because I've tried that. I hate sports of every kind. I I hate almost everything, but walking and riding a bike. As long as I got a podcast in my head that I enjoy, like Film Sack or, or something like that, uh, I'm going to be fine. I could ride all day. So I'm looking forward to that. And, and walking, I, I would walk all day if I could, but my, my shins are bothering me. So I'm, um, I'm excited about the 10 pounds, and I'm excited about the bike, and I'm excited that I finally found an exercise that I can do. And I'm excited that I don't have to diet. Because I have not changed a thing about what I'm eating, honestly. I, I'm, I'm not terrible at it. I'm not eating McDonald's every day, but I will tell you, um, maybe once every two weeks, I do eat McDonald's. And I lost seven pounds. So proof's in the pudding. Get yourself a standing desk. <laughs> Drink some water. Go for a walk. I'm not even walking every night because I, my shins have to heal. Um, I, you know, I, I, you tear them up and then you let them heal and tear them up. But I don't know it. I don't know that it's a muscle as much as it's a tendon or something. So you have to let it heal, otherwise you tear it up. So seven pounds, woohoo! Yay me, MMD. Um, oh, this is a good one. So I I pick up the boy from school. For some reason, the girl's not in the car, and I need some Chick Fil A. I hadn't had lunch, so I go down. I'm like, Jay, remind me to go by CVS to pick up my meds, okay? And I don't expect him to, but whenever I tell somebody else. To help me remember something, I it turns out I remember it myself, and I don't need them, and it really ticks them off. But uh, it works, so it's my method. So I say, Jay, useless Jay, and six-year-old Jay who will never remember to tell me. Please remind me to get my meds after we get Chick Fil A. So somehow we start talking about the movie we've been watching, um, uh, Mary Poppins, and and he's asking about this part and that part and we're talking about favorite songs and I'm trying to teach him how to stay supercalifragilisticexpialidocious which he's struggling with it's a big word i mean you know it, the sound of it is something quite atrocious after all um, but we get there and, and and I go through my order and I get out and I I pull out and I'm going home and and he asks me you know what's the one what's the one song where she snaps and I'm like, oh, Jay, that's um, – uh, and it took me a minute. I'm like, I had to say her little line. I'm like, uh, uh, in every job that must be done, there is an element of fun. You find the fun and snap. The job's a game. And then I um, started singing the song. Just a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine. Oh, Jay, my meds. I was right there by CVS and pulled in. Spoonful of sugar, help the medicine go down. Help me remember <laughs> to get my meds on the way home. I almost killed us all, <laughs> pulling in. But I swear we were right there. 
as I said, medicine, <gasps> medicine, CVS. So that was awesome because you know, you know how errands are when you get all the way home and you realize you got to go all the way back. It's worse when you have to go back to the place you were really close to. If it was a different part of town, you don't mind as much. Ah, oh, I had to go home. Now I got to go to Target. That's in the other part of town. No big deal. I can do that. It's annoying. But when you have to go back to the place you just passed, that's the opposite of an MMD. That's like a WMD, wreck my day. So very funny to me and uh, that Jay accidentally, <laughs> through no fault of his own, helped me remember through Mary Poppins to get my medication. Uh, I, I, another MMD, I've been enjoying a new group I, I put together on Facebook. It's called um, Ho- The Hobby Podcaster Group. And I made it just for hobby podcasters, people that aren't professionals, people that aren't gurus, people that aren't uh, out to make a quick buck or teach other people how to do it by charging them a lot of money. It's just guys like me, and uh, and it's it's growing. There's 60-something, 70-something people on there, and not all of them are active, but I think there's a lot of people reading and stuff. And One guy named Donovan is brand new to the group, and but not brand new to podcasting. He had a little video he posted about his um his studio and he his studio you need to see the video I'll link to it over at uh, mmdcast.com in the show notes for this episode but you need to when you look at it you're going to see spoiler alert that his studio is behind a curtain in the corner or the back end of a outbuilding that is that is his is his wife's crafting sewing you know crocheting room the thing is wall to wall sewing machines thread you know stacks and bolts of cloth and all that kind of stuff and uh, as he's in that part of the room i was absolutely enthralled by both sides of that curtain because yes his studio was great and neat and compact and and genius as i'll tell you in a minute but just looking around at that room, that little room with all the stuff in it, reminded me, it took me back to my own childhood with my grandmother, who I loved desperately and miss her so much. Uh, we, call her, we called her Ginga because when I was a little kid, I was the oldest, I couldn't say grandma, I'd just say Ginga, and everybody kind of called her that. And everybody's got a weird name for their grandma, but Ginga is, is better than Nani, okay, or Meemaw. Okay, I'm just saying. There's, there's. I could probably make a list, and Ginga is probably right in the middle. It is of weird names, but it is not the worst. So don't mock me too much. But Ginga was awesome. She was great. She smoked like a chimney, but um, and that's what killed her. But she was creative as all get out, and she had an entire room. She had my step grandpa build an entire addition to the house called the new room. And if I went in it today, I would probably think of it as probably pretty small. But in my memory, it is absolutely huge. I remember when it was being built when we came over one summer and all there was was uh, studs in the walls. And we 
took uh, great pleasure in getting up on the studs, and there was these little crossbeam connector two by fours, and we walked all the way around the circumference of the thing without touching the ground. And then the next year we came back, and the walls were up, and the carpet was in. And then the next year after that, um, everything was in there, and there were bolts of cloth, and there were sewing machines, and and dress forms, and cutting tables that had been customized to be standing height by my grandfather by putting PVC pipe at the bottom, a little redneck ingenuity there. It had a fireplace in it, uh, one of those standing you know, metal jokers from the 80s. But uh, it had a bathroom with a sliding door and a little shower. And um, you could go in there, and my grandmother had a certain amount of stuff we could mess with, and we could build and create anything. And then outside of that, in the garage, my grandfather had bandsaws and jigsaws, and he had... Uh, 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 sanders and and uh, uh, oh goodness I can't remember all saws of it of every kind wood scraps nails screws bolts you know tools and it was a absolutely it's a creator's paradise and I between the ages of I don't know probably eight nine to um, to when to the winds they passed away so that would have been in high school. Uh, you you could do whatever you wanted and create unlimited amounts of stuff. And my grandmother was always into something, whether it was quilting or or knitting or or any of that kind of stuff. And she, and yes, I will admit right now, I know how to sew. I'm not um, I'm not really good at it. I, I putting together a dress, I would have probably probably have to do two or three to get it exactly right. But I know how to pin down a pattern. I know how to cut it out. I know how to I know what stitches to use. And I can thread a needle by hand. I know stitches by hand. I know a lot of stuff that serves us because my wife knows none of these things. I can put buttons on. You know, I can hem things. Um, and so anyway, all of that to say that my that, that one little video just took me back because just the stuff hanging on the walls, the feeling and the smells of, of that room, the overcrowded because every inch – you know, like a, like a kindergarten teacher who's been in the same room for 20 years. You know, every inch is covered with something educational. That's the way my, my grandma's new room was. And and even 20 years later, I mean, 30 years later, however long it's been, it's probably been more than, than 30. It's probably been closer to 35 years later. It's still called the new room, um, even though it probably may not even exist anymore. That house has been long sold and elements have started to take over the house and things like that but anyway so thank you donovan even though you accidentally i now let's step on the other side of the curtain his um his room back there was really neat his wife gave him a little space and uh he's got a he's got a computer table and he's got some stuff and he's got these two monitors stacked vertically and that's something i hadn't seen before i've i've seen monitors stacked side to side his are vertical and he goes around the corner and he says, here, check this out. And what he had done is he had not spent a buttload of money on some sort of fancy schmancy you know, $300 monitor mount kit. He had taken a bucket, put a 4x4 fence post rail you know, in, in the bucket, put pro- you know, probably two ba- a bag of concrete, bag and a half of concrete in there, and painted it black, the, the pole. And then got a couple really cheap mount to the wall monitor things, probably for five bucks each. And he he bolted those jokers right to that that uh, four by four, and it works. 
and it's neat. And it don't look like much from the back, but from the front, you know, you'd never know in a billion years that the guy, you know, spent almost probably nothing, you know, maybe a grand total of 20 bucks for, for, for the quick Crete and the, and he probably had the bucket sitting around and he probably had the four by four around. So hats off to redneck ingenuity, man. I appreciate it. I don't get to do enough of it anymore. Um, I, I tried prior to the show to try to think of a example of that around here, but I can't, can't, can't do it. My wife's from up North and she just doesn't have the appreciation for it that I do. Or that everyone should. Okay, Lucas Kirk, another guy from the Hobby Podcaster Group. Um, he he was it was just funny. He was relating to me this week on Facebook about the Belfie issue, and I can't remember if I talked about the Belfie issue on on the show. So forgive me if I recap. I had a guy that I was friends with. I friended him, and all of a sudden, all of my suggested friends that were coming up were of people's butts. These girls' butts. And um, that was their profile picture. And uh, I was like, I, I tracked it down. I had one friend in common with, with all of these booties. And it was this guy. And so, unfortunately, though I liked the guy, you know, he was recently divorced. And apparently he's he's on the prowl for someone who identifies their entire life um, and represents that through their derriere. I had to unfriend him. And immediately all the butts went away, which was awesome. And uh, so he, he's like, yeah, I've had to do the same thing. And I've never heard – I mean when I told the story, it's been a few weeks, nobody could relate. I didn't have anybody that said, yeah, dude, I've had the same problem. But Lucas Kirk had and uh, it just made my day. I was, <laughs> I was like, that's awesome. Somebody else has had to do the same thing because it's funny. It, it's funny and sad and weird and you know everything else at the same time. There's a little bit of investigation, a little CSI in there. Got to track down why are these butts in my, <laughs> you know, being suggested as my friend? Because at first, your first initial thing is like, what did I click on? What did I visit on? You know that that now the internet thinks that I want to be surrounded by butts. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's a it's a wonderful thing when you find out oh it's this pervert it's not me <laughs> uh uh one more from uh, hobby podcaster i gotta say hobby podcaster group um you guys are all gonna want to join it even though you're not even a podcaster it's funny but the hobby podcaster group um there's a guy on there and i didn't get his name i'm so dumb but he has started a blog called WeWerePastors.com, and he's thinking about starting a podcast by the same title. And he's apparently a pastor who is no longer working in full-time ministry. He drives a truck now. And uh, I don't know anything about him. I read you know, the six posts that was on his blog. I just love the, the name, We Were Pastors. I love the concept of somebody reaching out because that's that's more than i've thought to do i haven't thought i've thought about reaching out to depressed people but not to former you know ministers ministers that have left or or been kicked out or or fallen morally or any of those things you know these guys and girls mostly guys they deserve you know a support group so hopefully this guy will be that you know um but he's wanting to podcast while driving a truck and all that kind of stuff so it's really neat to hear about, and I hope I can hear his story someday and maybe even share it here on the show. But I, I have a feeling that um, it is it is 
uh, an extreme, you know, maybe a more involved version of my own story where just something snapped or broke or messed up and he couldn't do what he's supposed to do. And now, now he's in another, you know, vocation and I'm not even there yet. He's, he's moved on further than I have. And so I'm interested just to hear his story and see how things are going for him. Uh, the last thing I have on the bullet list here is that uh, it was just yesterday we got back from this. Um, it was Memorial Day weekend, this weekend. And um, we have a tradition in our house. Well, it's a tradition now that we've done it twice in two years. But we go and we book a room at Animal Kingdom, a.k.a. as Jay used to call it, the Spensive Hotel. Expensive hotel. We go to the Animal Kingdom because my wife loves animals. The kids love the animals. And it's kind of a splurgy place, you know. But we only stay for one night. And, um, but we leave, we get there, you know, right after three, we check in and we just have as much fun as humanly possible. We, we eat, you know, we, we, um, in, in the cheap restaurant. The kids don't know. They don't care. Uh, we swim. I sit at a table and I read, you know, books and, you know, they got free internet now. They didn't used to. And uh, we just do all this stuff. And and even that evening, it was almost bedtime. My wife was feeling antsy because we it had rained and we didn't get we were gonna go to um you know downtown Disney that evening. Didn't get to do that. And so I don't know what happened to me, but I all of a sudden thought, scavenger hunt. I bet online there somebody has created a uh, 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 animal kingdom lodge scavenger hunt that we that I can send with them because she's like kids let's just go wander around and I was like that's the saddest thing I ever heard this poor lady <laughs> she wants to do something and uh, I thought my energy was shot so I was just gonna chill I was gonna be on the computer write some blogs whatever so anyway long story short I found that if you go to the counter at at uh, animal kingdom lodge and you request the Hidden Mickey Scavenger Hunt. They will give you a piece of paper, uh, which, by the way, is a copy of a copy of a torn-up copy. <laughs> this is not something that they're maintaining. They just kind of copy the copy. Uh, but it was enough to read. But there was 15 Hidden Mickeys uh, in and around the building, the main lobby area, and the back uh, Savannah area. And uh, we absolutely had a blast, all four of us. I thought Jay would get bored because we walked. And, and up and down stairs, we were riding elevators and all kinds of stuff because there were just these basic hints and you had to kind of figure them out. And Jay found the first one, so that was pretty awesome for him since he's the youngest. Jenna found one we didn't find. Uh, she found two of them, I think. And then Jen found a couple. I found a couple. So it was like really even how everybody did. So it was fun for all of us. And um, it was really awesome. I took some pictures of them. And uh, I might post those on on the the website as a post, as a separate little post. Uh, Or you could follow me on Instagram, and maybe I'll throw some of them up there. But if you ever stay at Animal Kingdom, um, go get the Hidden Mickey thing. Now, next year, we won't be able to do the Hidden Mickey thing. We we, we will have already done it. But um, it's a couple of them we had to wait for the next day, because one of them was in the um, Flamingo holding area near the pool, and uh, we had to wait till the next morning. But once we were there, even then, it took us a while. But then we saw it, and it's like, oh, because once you see it, it's so obvious. Oh, some of them are huge. There were two of them just right near the pool underneath the slide, right right next to each other. And and as we were going through, we would bump into other groups. I was surprised. It was only two. 
there was more groups doing it than I thought. One group was um, was a group of Hispanic kids. They were just really kind, really nice, and uh, they were doing a thing. One of them off the internet, and so this was a little different. And I told them, I was like, "Go get the go get the paper," because the paper says at the end when you're done, you can turn it in at the gift shop, and they'll give you a certificate of completion. And they're like, "Oh, cool!" So they went off and did that, and and then we were able to help another group of teenagers. Um, find one that they couldn't find. They were just kind of wandering around. I'm like, are you looking for the one that, that's near the light that's growing from the rock? You know, and they're like, yeah. I'm like, well, it's right in this area right here. And and I, a few seconds later, as we're walking away, <gasps> you know, yeah, they found it. So uh, we went we, the next day. We were done. So it bled into the second day. We, we you know we got to finish it up, and the kids were so thrilled and excited. And Chase like, that was so good because we don't have to walk anymore. <laughs> Poor guy, he's got short legs. We go in there, and unfortunately, they don't have any certificates. We're all out. But, she says, I will let you have two pins from my pin trading thing. And, you know, most of the employees have these pin trading lanyards. It's a thing. We're not into it, but a lot of people are in the Disney world. Um, so the, ki- the, t- the kids got to pick what, what was the equivalent of two $10 pins off of this lady's uh, – Dealer bobber. Now, don't go in there and demand the same thing because it ain't gonna happen. They're gonna, they're gonna give you a, a juice or something. That's what they should have done. I would, I would have rather had the certificate. I actually went back and asked. I'm like, you guys got any certificates now? No, we're out. I'm sorry. And so okay, but it was awesome. The, uh, the, the scavenger hunt was fun. And and what I meant to say earlier and add in is obviously I got involved. I got a second wind. I was engaged and that's huge for me. Um, it means things are, things are picking up. So it's a good deal. It's always a good deal. All right. So I think that is it. I want to share one more thing, um, with you guys. First of all, I want to encourage you to send in your made my day moments. Um, is uh, this Fred says he he sent one in? Uh, Hi James, my MMD moments this week were one, the great time we had goofing around on Facebook making clever jokes about bacon and sausage, and two, one of those DIY moments you have talked about when I finally got our home PC backups configured on four computers. It seemed like it would be simple, but I failed on multiple attempts. I think it's finally done, and I am happy, Fred. Man, what is better? than a job maybe not well done but finally done <laughs> you know what i'm saying so i can relate i appreciate that i i'm looking forward uh, i'm feeling better you know enough uh lately that i'm thinking about home improvement projects something about tackling our bathroom so i'm gonna wait a little bit and make sure i'm still level i haven't had a downtime in uh, a couple weeks now so i'm pretty excited about that but i wanted to share one thing right off here and I'm not going to tell you the name uh, because it's a big deal yes you can share this okay good I just want to make sure I could share this he sent me this and I got it through my phone and I responded on my phone and it took me forever but um, he goes hello my name is so and so I am 20 I have major depression disorder first I'd like to say I enjoy your MMD podcast I'm going to make this quick (laughs) which on the phone it seemed like it was three foot long, so that's funny. I'm going to make this quick to catch you up with my life. During high school, my parents got divorced, and I don't think it bothered me inside, but it did. 
just briefly after graduating high school. I wanted to kill myself. A few months later, I swore to the swore into the Air Force, thinking that all my problems would just go away, just like when I moved to Florida. But it didn't. But it made everything worse. During basic training, I mentally gave up. I couldn't handle it anymore. I told them that I had suicidal thoughts. They quickly sent me to a psychiatric ward! Exclamation points. That's where I was diagnosed with depression, and a couple of weeks later, I found myself on a plane headed home. From then on, life got worse. I lied to people about being separated because I'm too embarrassed to tell anybody. I know that feeling. Your shame, I mean, the shame is heavy in the depression thing. Uh, Since I've been home, I've developed a heart condition. Well, that's always fun. And now... I'm in a large amount of debt from an unsuccessful surgery to treat it, which sucks. Also, recently, I just had surgery on my knee, and I bet that bill's going to be ridiculous too. Getting off track a bit, but I haven't even started school yet. I have no idea what I want to do in life because I've always planned on being in the military. I can relate, my friend. I always planned on being in ministry till I died. Now I'm kind of gun-shy and don't want to do it. Even though I still care about people and still feel it. So, and as of today, you may ask, how am I doing? Well, I had my first suicidal thought in a long time today. I've talked about getting counseling, but I I don't want everybody to think I'm crazy. It says crazy in quotes. I I know that feeling. I have like zero confidence in myself. I've I've got social anxiety. I feel trapped in a very deep hole. With no one to help me, my temper has gotten a lot worse over the past year, and I'm basically not happy for most of my days. I've felt truly happy when I visited my best friend, but when I'm here at home, I don't feel right. It's like I'm the puzzle piece that doesn't belong, and it's really taken a toll on me now. I would really like to get some help, but every time I reach out, I shut down. I'm shut down. I just don't know what to do anymore. I don't want to hurt anyone or myself. I want to see the good in myself and others. I need help. Thank you for the time. And if you're reading this, thanks again. I'm doing more than reading this. I'm sharing it. And I'm responding because the things you described are so... I, it's funny. The things you say about depression actually that, that would hurt you if you had any other disease help you when you hear it. But everything you said is so typical and normal and absolutely the same as what everyone else feels. It is not unique to you. And usually when you hear that kind of, it's it's somebody at a coach, you know, a coach saying, you need to get off of your butt. You're not the only one that feels the way. You need to get up and you get up. No, it's not like that. It, it, when you hear that everything is, is absolutely normal and typical and everybody feels that way, you're like, oh, so I'm not crazy. So, oh God, it's not just me, you know? So I'm going to tell you that everything you said, even the, the puzzle piece thing, Even the freaking puzzle piece thing was something I talked to my wife about. I felt exactly the same way. I I wrote this. I said, um, is there anyone, even just one person around you who is strong enough to help you get the help you need? If so, tell them what's going on. Don't hold back. Tell them exactly what you need from them. I mean, exactly. Find me a doctor, for instance. Set my appointment. Make sure I actually go. Go with me, you know, because this stuff doesn't go away or get better on its own. And I think you've, I think you've seen that. And and those of you out there, 
you know, we, we try not to be a burden on people. We try to hide it half from shame, half from denial, and half from um, just not wanting to be a burden on anybody. We don't want to be a trouble. We want to, we want to be better. We just hope it goes away, but it doesn't. And the sooner you admit it and get the help you need, the better off you're going to be. He's, I, I write, suicidal thoughts are very normal but very serious. You absolutely must reach out to someone who can help you or force you to get the help that you need. And you don't have to lead with the suicidal thought thing. Keep it, in, you know, you need, you need to tell somebody, if, especially if you're having ongoing, continuous suicidal thoughts. But don't, don't do that to your mom. <laughs> Just don't go up and like, I want to kill myself because, first of all, that is so serious that they, they kind of blow it off. They can't handle it. So you have to work up to that, okay? Um, that'd be like somebody come up to you and say, I'm going to go run out, you know, I'm going to jump off a bridge or I'm going to eat a Brillo pad. You'd be like, no, you're not. You're just being weird. Um, so, you know, you have to tell them the story of your depression. I have been feeling this and then it started feeling this way. And I have tried to, to not feel this way and this way and this way. And, and especially with this guy, uh, I went to his Facebook page and I checked out all his pictures, and you would never guess in a billion, million years that this guy has, is struggling with depression. And that's what I'm going to go on and say. I said, I, underst- I understand the fear and the desire to keep as much hidden as possible. I, um, I, to, uh, to try to keep from being a burden, but you've got to burden someone with it so they'll know how serious it is and how to respond. We've all heard about someone's this is what I wanted to say. We've all heard about someone young who's committed suicide and everyone's like, I never would have guessed things were so bad or they seem so happy. And it's likely because they were trying to stay strong and keep from being a burden. And I look at this guy in his pictures and he seems athletic and outgoing. He's surrounded by family, smiling in every photo. And yeah, I mean, if this guy doesn't get help, he kills himself. People are going to look at that stuff and they're going to be like, what the freak went wrong? What happened? What happened? What, what, you know, he had everything going for him. And um, they'll never know. So you, so you owe it to yourself. You who I am talking to or you who is listening to this and you can relate, you've got to get the help you need. you got to tell somebody. You have to burden someone. And, and I go on to address that too. Again, in the burden thing, I t- I'll tell you what my wife told me. She said, you're not a burden. You being gone would be a burden. So, and that's what she told me. I told her about feeling like I was ruining everybody's lives, that I was, I was, I was just a negative, that the kids and her, and it just felt so real. Everything felt so real that was wrong. It felt like reality. And it felt like, even though specifically I never dealt with suicidal thoughts, I definitely dealt with, I don't want to be here things. Like, I wish I would never born kind of things. And um, I think it was mostly because I didn't want to be a statistic because my, my father, I believe, killed himself uh, because of depression. And I just flatly you know, didn't want to do that. But I definitely felt those feelings, you know, that I don't want to be here. I, they would be better off without me. Um, I'm, I'm dragging the family down. You know, everybody in the entire place is having to change what they're doing because of me. And uh, that's just not the way they see it. There's not one person in your family going, God, I wish they'd die. Okay? <laughs> There's not. There's not one person that's going, oh my God, I wish they would just die so we could get on with our lives. 
You know how ridiculous that sounds, but it feels so real when it's inside your head. Let me continue. Once you get the ongoing help you need, it won't be right away, and it may take a lot of time and patience and seem even more helpless at times than not getting help, but everyone gets better. I'm in a place now that I never thought I'd ever thought I'd see again. I truly believe that I'd be screwed up for the rest of my life. The only way you can lose is if you quit. Don't be a statistic. Believe the part of you that knows there's nothing wrong and that it's just in your head. It feels like it's lying, but if you blindly believe in that fact and make your choices based on that still small voice in there, that part will grow stronger with proper medication. (laughs) So uh, you're going to feel better after reading this. So use that energy to find someone you can spill your guts to. Maybe it's someone you live with. Again, trust me, they'd rather be put out than lose you altogether. Then I asked if I could share it. He says, thank you so much for the response. I do have someone in mind that is strong enough to help me get the help I need, but I I won't quit. I don't want to be another statistic. I really do want to get better. Even being on medication freaks me out, but that's going to have, that's good. But it's going to give me the upper hand. No, he says, if that's going to give me the upper hand, I'll give it a try. Again, thank you for your speedy response. And yes, you can share this. I hope it would give others the push to reach out for help as well. And um, and that's the part I'll, I'll, I'll follow up with that I didn't, and I will with him, about medication. Medication is freaky. It's the thing you don't want to do because it seems like the ultimate failure. Like if you take medication, then you have to admit that you're crazy. But no. No, you're not crazy. You're admitting you have a problem. You know, it's it's like if you had cancer in your hand and they're like, "Okay, we need to operate on it or or we need to zap it with with the with the zapping stuff, the cancer zapping stuff." And you're like, "No, I I I can't do that. Why? Because it would be like admitting that I have cancer." <laughs> and they'll look at you and their head'll turn sideways like a puppy, you know. And you're like, yeah, I can't. I no, I actually need to get out of here. Even the doctor, I can't. No, I got to go on about my life. I got to pretend like I don't have this. I got to keep it. And what's going to happen to your cancer? Is it going to go away by itself? Is it going to get smaller? No, absolutely, freaking, absolutely not. It's going to get bigger and it's going to grow and it's going to become more obvious. And uh, it could take you away from your family. And mental problems are no less serious. And uh, when you think about it in that context and you say, okay, I have an organ in my head called a brain. And when that thing is messed up or not working right, yeah, you can sit there and say, you know, uh, there's no problem. It's no problem. I'm just going to keep going. And if I take pills, it's going to be like I'm admitting there's a problem. But just like in my cancer analogy, the minute you realize that you need help and get it, and, and then it starts getting better. And yes, you're admitting that you're crazy, even though I don't think you're crazy. I didn't feel crazy. I mean, I felt crazy, but I didn't want people to think I wasn't. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It just, there comes a point where you get so desperate, you don't care anymore. You're like, okay, I'm crazy. I don't give a crap. I need help. And um, don't let it get to that point. That's all I'm saying. Go now. You will be so happy. You'll be so happy for all the crap you avoided. Oh, because when you're in depression, 
you know, it's like you're going, you know, in math, there's that little scale, plus 10, plus 9, plus 8, all the way to 0, and then there's negative 0, negative 1, and it goes down from there. When you're in depression, you're, you're, it's like you're going down that scale. And the longer you wait to get help, the deeper down you go. And unfortunately, the way it works is when, even when you find medication that starts to work, you still you don't go back up to zero. You got to start at negative fifty eight, and you go up. And so it feels like a failure. Every even the successes feel like, oh my god, I'm never going to get there. And then when you get to zero, and you're just numb. But then plus one, plus two. I'm going to tell you at, at at this weekend at Animal Kingdom Lodge. When I was thinking I was done and checking out from my family and I had that idea and I found that scavenger hunt and I led the way, not just went on it, but freaking led it, had that thing in my hand, read it out, showed, showed my flashlight around, helping to find stuff in the dark, talking with people, trying to get tips from the, from the genuine African people that, that work there and all this. It was amazing. It was a great time. But more than that, it was a success. Because the guy that used to lay in bed and tell his wife that he didn't fit in his family anymore. Yeah. See, the, 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 the um, puzzle piece analogy is a bad analogy. I guess it's a, an analogy depression creates for you. Because in my family, I'm not a puzzle piece. You know those preschool puzzles that have a the border is already there, and you just put in the four or five pieces inside, and the, you know it's like a curvy outline. You know it's real obvious, and even has the indentions and the grooves in the back of the the board puzzle. I'm that. I'm that board. But I think I'm the structure. I think my wife puts us where we're supposed to go, but I I help to form the structure, and because uh, my son looks at me to know. How to be a man? My wife, my my daughter looks up to me to see how men should treat her, and my wife looks to me to believe that she is the most beautiful person in the world. You know, a young man who I read your email. You're more than a puzzle piece uh, because you have a future that you don't even know about yet. You said you hadn't even been to school. So you're not just trying to get better for the people that you're living with right now. There are children that will exist because you you got the help you needed. And there's a wife that will have a husband because you got through this. Okay? And I hope that ministers, to use a spiritual term, to uh, to more than just the young man that I spoke to on the, he went to the MMD group and just chatted away. You feel free to do the same. Just understand I'm not a counselor. I'm not licensed. And my advice is based completely and 100% on only one thing, and that is my experience. I have no idea what anyone's going through i can just relate on my own level but i would urge you to um to not be closed-minded when it comes to the medical solution whether you're a religious person 
whether you're a spiritual person. I, I know there are cures uh, all over the internet for all kinds of people. You know, you don't you don't need medication. You know, blah blah blah. And and to me, that preys on that fear of I don't want to be crazy. I don't want to be tagged as crazy. And I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you, one of the most defeated moments of my life in the whole thing, even after I wanted to get help so bad, was sitting in that waiting room, waiting to go see the the crazy doctor guy, surrounded by other, in my opinion, crazy people. Um, I don't know. I never looked at them. I had my eyes closed. I, I sat there and had panic attacks and had tears running down my eyes. Couldn't look at anybody. I was so ashamed. So ashamed. And then the last time I went, I'm sitting there, and I'm looking around. I'm feeling like a million bucks in the same seat. I'm reading, you know, uh, Jim Gaffigan's book. Dad is fat, having a blast, just chilling. And I see this lady over on the couch, and she's um, she's got her eyes closed. She's staring, you know, know, with her fists together. She has a tissue in her hand, tears going down her face. And I wanted to say something. But what do you say, you know? Hey, I was where you were. (laughs) Are you bragging, you know, now? Is that the way it comes across? You tell her, there's hope. I used to be you. (laughs) I used to be you. You sucked, but I'm not you anymore. See, you don't want to say these things. So I just, I just left her. I was like, you know what? Maybe there was somebody looking at me. And I had to go through it. I had to do it. I had to do it myself. So anyway, that's it. I've, I rambled enough. <laughs> and uh, I just, I thank you for listening to the show. I thank you for sharing in these MMD moments. And your homework for this week. You need to track your MMD moments, at least one a day. And even when you've been through the whole day, if it's just sucked, write something you're thankful for. You don't have to be thankful for the crappy day. But what, you know, did you, did you, did you have a crappy day inside of a house with air conditioning and a front door? We all have something to be thankful for, even on our worst day. There's always somebody that's got it worse. Always, 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 always. You know, it's not a guilt thing. Like, somebody's got it worse than me, so I can't feel bad. No, no. Everything is relative. We don't judge people's uh, troubles by how good of a story it makes. It's it's by how it affects the person that's going through it. Whatever you got to write down. For me, on my worst day, I had my family that would still hug me goodnight that didn't, I don't know, they were just there. So I hope you can do the same thing. That's your homework. Get yourself a freaking MMD notebook. Make it tiny so you can carry it in your wallet if you're a dude or in your front pocket. If you're a woman, it's dependent on the size of your purse. Me, I just carry around the notebook. I don't care. I look smarter. It's like glasses. Makes you look smarter. Visit us online at mmdcast.com. Follow us on Twitter at at uh, nlcast.com there's also an mmdcast.com but nlcast is is following me mmd is just the show uh you can like made my day podcast on facebook and even just get on there and chat away and stuff like that 
Leave us an iTunes review if that's how you found us. You know, help other people find the show. That's you know, if it's helped you, help other people find it. And then uh, you can sponsor an episode. By the way, on Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/MMDcast. It is a way for you to sponsor the show. You can sponsor the show for anywhere between a penny an episode all the way up to whatever you want to you know give. And um, I've decided to do this because podcasting you know is is basically how I'm making my living for now. And I would like to, uh, you know, have an income and feel like I'm contributing while I'm still recovering. And uh, though the show will always be free and you are under absolutely no obligation to do jack squat, um, if you do uh, feel like you should or could, you know, give a dollar an episode, two bucks an episode, quarter an episode, whatever, go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash MMDcast. And check it out. It's a fun way to give. Before it was just like, hey, give me give me some money. I'll mention your name on the show. Well, now it's like, uh, help us out. And uh, if we get into certain levels, um, you know, like for instance, if we can get to 50 bucks an episode, um, I will live stream the show. So you could tune in live and chat, you know, be in a chat room and talk to other people and stuff like that. So I will see you guys next time. Thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, just remember to look for those tiny, wonderful moments, those miracles in every single day. No matter how bad it gets, people stay alive.